Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Isaiah chapter 9, we began this series last week called The Gift, and this is what we're talking about through the month of December. We're talking about the gift, and we're focusing on Isaiah chapter 9. Last week, we talked about Wonderful Counselor, and what we said was that this is Isaiah who is writing this prophecy, who is writing these words to the people of God when they're going through a difficult situation. Anybody ever been through a difficult situation? Come on, everybody been in a tough spot before. And so Isaiah is writing to people who are in the middle of heartache, who are in the middle of confusion, who are in the middle of chaos. And in the middle of all this, there's some hope that comes into the picture. And that's where Isaiah chapter 9 begins. Look at verse 1. It says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great what? Light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and you've increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder for as in the day of Midian's defeat you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders the rod of their oppressor every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for fire Isaiah is saying hey there's going to be no more darkness there's going to be no more war a time of peace is coming you're going to see a great light this is going to be amazing and then look what he says in verse 6 for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace come on anybody glad that we have a wonderful counselor a mighty God an everlasting father and prince of peace verse 6 is which we're Focusing on the month of December, we've looked at these four names, four phrases that Isaiah is giving the coming king that he's telling the people of God about. And this is the gift that we have this Christmas. Today, if you're taking notes, I want to talk to you about the second name under the second phrase that Isaiah uses. I want you to write mighty God. Today, I want to talk to you about Mighty God. Last week, we looked at Wonderful Counselor, and we saw everything that that means. And this Christmas, I want you to know you have a Mighty God on your side. Amen? Come on, can we close our eyes, bow our head? Let's ask God to bless this time that we have together at our 11 a.m. service, which, by the way, word on the street is that this is God's favorite service. Don't tell the nine, don't tell the one or the seven, but you are just blessed. Hashtag. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this service. We thank you for this time together. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our community, in our church. Thank you for the nine. Thank you for the one. Thank you for the seven. Thank you for this 11 a.m. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in both campuses, God, and many more to come. God, we thank you yesterday for all the girls that came out for Flourish. It was absolutely incredible. Thank you for what you're doing, God, uh, just through different people throughout our church. God, we believe that you uh, want to do uh, a healing work, a deliverance work. God, we believe that you want to lift up heads that you want to save people, that you want to help people. God, we thank you that this Christmas we have the greatest gift of all time, God. We thank you, God, that you are for us, with us, on our side. God, we love you. We give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. We pray that uh, the Patriots will have the worst, worst 
worst team ever from now forward. And the Dolphins will bounce back, and we pray revival in Jesus' name. All God's people say. Oh, come on. All God's people say. 11 a.m., can you give God a big shout as praise? Come on, as loud as you can. (laughs) Hey, anybody enjoy this cold weather? Anybody love cold weather? Come on, if you're a fan of cold weather, let me see. Good. Anybody hate cold weather? Hate cold one person is really mad at the cold weather. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a little tough. Some people love it. Some, anybody ever tried going swimming in cold weather? Don't try it. It's the worst thing in the world. A couple of weeks ago, a few of us were hanging out, and uh, we decided to go to the pool. We decided to go swimming. And it was one of these days where it was, it was a little bit cooler. It was a little cold. And as we started to get into the pool, it was a bunch of friends hanging out. Uh, the pool was ice. It was freezing. It was, it was, it was beyond cold. It was uh, the type of cold that um, I really believe that once you went swimming in it, afterwards they would have to rush you to the ER and uh, you would get uh, all kinds of things. Like this was bad. There was no way I was getting into this water. Some people got in it. Uh, they're crazy. They just need Jesus. Uh, but I, I was like, no, I'm out. I'm staying out. Finally, we just said, well, well why don't we turn the, the water heater on? The water heater was broken. It was broken. So there was no way this thing was going to get warmed up. A few of us, a couple of us, we just said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what about if we do something? What about if we grab a bunch of uh, pots and a bunch of things and we begin to heat up some water? And uh, we pour hot water into the pool. And uh, it was actually me and Ari that came up with that idea. And I just think that we're geniuses and that's God, not us. All glory to him. And uh, so we just said, this is a great idea. So uh, the rest, everybody else was laughing at us. They were, they were mocking us and they were making fun of us. And we said, let's do this. And we started warming up water. Literally, we started warming up, grabbing the biggest pots we can. And we started warming up this water to the point where it was boiling. And we were running back and forth, warming up water with a bunch of pots, running to the pool, pouring it in the pool, running back inside the kitchen. Water was spilling everywhere. At one point, I'm taking a a pot of boiling water into the pool. Water splashing everywhere. Some lands on my hands. And I almost said a word that's not found in the Bible, but I ran back. And I'm pouring water into this pool. And it was just chaos. The floor is wet. Everything you can't imagine. People are laughing at us and mocking us. And I'm just like, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. And I'm pouring this thing. I'm just saying Bible verses, speaking in tongues. Like, what What does that have to do with pools? And I'm just like doing all these things. And finally, when we're done pouring about five, six buckets of of water. This thing is crazy. It is chaotic. I just want to tell you, I have a little bit of bad news. It is impossible to turn this water warm with some pots of boiling water. Step back in it. This thing was freezing ice and uh, people just, okay, we proved them right and uh, we were wrong. And uh, let's just say I had a great day beside the pool, not in the pool. And uh, the situation was absolutely chaotic and impossible. There was no way we were going to turn this pool around. And I was thinking about this, thinking about mighty God, because I think life sometimes can seem chaotic and can seem impossible. I believe so many people are living in life with chaotic and impossible situations. You're living in life. You're living this life that God has given us. And all of a sudden, you're confronted with situations that you're like, just like, man, this is chaos. This seems like water spilling everywhere. This seems like boiling water all over my hand. This is impossible to turn around. It's like dumping hot water into a cold pool. This is chaos, and it's impossible. I want you to know that in life, we will go through chaos. In life, we will be up against impossible situations. What, what do we do when we're up against impossible? 
Where do we go? How, how do we handle these situations? I want to tell you today that it's important what you do. Our response to a circumstance will determine our recovery to that circumstance. How you respond to a circumstance, it actually will determine how you recover, how you bounce back from that circumstance. What do you do when you're up against impossible? What do you do when you're up against chaos? When you say, I've tried it all, my whole strength, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've done everything, and this thing does not seem to improve, what do we do? I think some of us, in the midst of chaos, we can actually lose hope in chaos, or we can look beyond the chaos. Where, where are we at this morning? How are we this morning? Do, do we look beyond what is happening in our midst, or do we get stuck in it and say, this is it, uh, I'm, I'm done? Maybe you walked in here this morning, and this is where you find yourself. You find yourself in chaos and impossible. I know it's the holidays. I know it's Christmas. I know we got trees and we got lights, but there's something about the holidays that also bring chaos and impossibilities. From fights in parking lots at the malls to bank accounts that are struggling and asking Jesus for help. And we're just like, this is impossible. Can I get an amen? amen. I got family members asking for gift and my bank account is like, sorry, try again next year. <laughs> this is chaos and impossible. On top of that, some of us, we, we begin to get together with family on holidays. And how many of us are reminded of situations that happen? How many of us think about hurts and betrayals, chaos? And impossible. Maybe you're here today and you've experienced anger. Like some of us, you've experienced betrayal. Like some of us, you've experienced bitterness and you've gone through some hard, difficult moments and, and you're trying to have a good time this holiday season, but you're like, Alex, it's been chaotic. Alex, this is impossible to get my family together to, to do something. This is, this is tough. Life has not been fair to me this year. Life has been difficult this year for me. Maybe a husband walked out on you. Maybe a wife walked out on you. You never thought you were going to end up where you are today. Finances all over the place. You are upside down. You're, 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 you're dealing with an addiction. You're dealing with something. You say, I can't get my head over this issue. This is tough. You ended up in divorce. Maybe a sickness. Maybe disease. You are with chaos. Maybe even death. This is, this is bad. This is impossible to turn around. Maybe today you're up against a broken life and you say, Alex, this, this holiday season, I want to celebrate. I, I want to I thank God for it. But can I tell you my life is broken. There's a broken marriage. There's a broken relationship. This is just tough. And as the holidays, really what they remind us is a lot of our failures. The holidays, really what they remind us is a lot of our losses. And we say, how can we get over this? I, what I love about Christmas, really at the core of the Christmas message, is that God can do a whole lot with chaos and impossible. When there was no room, when there was an impossibility, when it was impossible for a virgin to get married, where it was impossible to give birth, I want to remind you that this is more than trees. This is more than lights. This is a God who steps into the chaos. This is a God who steps into darkness. This is a God who steps into the impossible. Come on, we serve a God that he can grab the chaos, he can grab the impossible, and he can do a whole lot of it. Can I get an amen? Chaos and impossible. Maybe this is where you're at. This is where Isaiah is writing this. This is the context in which he's writing these letters. He's in the middle of people of God that have walked far from him. They are in the, in the middle of confusing times like we talked about last week, right? There's a whole lot of darkness. There's a whole lot of confusion. There's a whole lot of chaos. They have no idea what tomorrow's going to bring. They are lost without kings that serve and honor God, and they are just reckless. They're doing whatever they want. And now there's a rising superpower against them, and 
called the Assyrians, and the Assyrians have way more power than them, and they are completely lost. Isaiah, he's a prophet. He speaks on behalf of God, and so he's writing this letter to them. He's like, uh, God is telling me to tell you these things. And The first eight chapters of Isaiah, he's actually warning them. Because they are in chaos, they are lost, they're doing whatever they want, they're going after their own sin. How many times do our lips say they love God, but our hearts are far from him? Right? So the people of God, they're like, Jesus, we love you, and God, we love you. And, and then they say that they're people of God, but they were far from God. They were doing whatever they wanted to. Because you can say something, but more important is what you do. Right? I can say I love my wife. I can say I love Diana. I can say she's the beauty queen of my heart and the Colombian beauty queen pageant that won her. And in my heart, she, she, she just took over me and uh, she didn't let me escape. And uh, she just won my heart and took me over. And I can say that I love this girl. I can say that I'll give her my entire life. But how many know I can say something but act very differently? You can talk a whole lot. Oh, baby I, baby, I got you. I'll be your man for the rest of your life. You're my boo thing. You're my sugar foot. I got you. You are the only girl in my eyes. But, but you can say a whole lot, but your actions will demonstrate that much more. How many times do we come into church and we say, God, I love you. I'll serve you. I'll do everything for you. My heart and my life is yours, but our actions are far from God. More than saying something, what's important is what we do. Because ultimately, our actions will speak louder than our, than our words. So the people of God, they say they're, they're for God. They say they love God. They say they worship God, but they're actually running after idols. They're having orgies. They're in debauchery. They are absolutely reckless. This is chaos. And Isaiah is like, hey, you got to get it together. And they're saying we have no hope. When is God going to step in? We're just doing whatever we want. And they were running after anything that they wanted. And in Isaiah chapter 9, this prophecy begins, and it's a beautiful prophecy, what we just read. Because in Isaiah chapter 9, this is where hope steps into the picture. And Isaiah begins to talk about a gift that is coming to humanity. I want you to know, it's not just any gift. It's the greatest gift of all time. I serve a God that doesn't give humanity leftovers. Come on. Anybody glad that God doesn't just give us the leftovers like we do our pets after Thanksgiving dinner? (laughs) Right, we, we grab some turkey and we give it to our dog. Like, there you go, having fun, right? God doesn't give us leftovers. God gives us the very best. When he decided to give humanity something, he gave the absolute best gift that humanity has ever seen. I know the trees are nice. I know rainbows look incredible. I know the sun is amazing. I know this weather is great. But in Jesus, it's the greatest gift that humanity has ever seen, that humanity has ever heard of. Come on, is anybody glad that God gave his absolute best? Isaiah, Isaiah, he sees this. He sees that God is going to give Jesus to humanity. So he begins to describe it in Isaiah chapter 9. He's saying God is going to give us this amazing gift, this, this incredible gift. And he begins to write down these names of this prophecy that he's seen. And he's saying, for unto us a child is given. If we could put up Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Let's read it together one more time. It says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. Come on, let's read it together. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. What we decided to do for the four weeks of December is look at every single name that Isaiah has decided to use for this incredible gift. He didn't just use one name. He used four different phrases, and they're powerful phrases. They're, they're full of incredible revelation. Who is this gift? Who is this Jesus? Well, is he just any common person? Is he just a gift that came down to humanity to kind of bless us? No, he's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. 
So last week, we grabbed the first one and we said, okay, wonderful counselor. Who is this wonderful counselor? And we found out that wonderful counselor actually means out of this world, extraordinary, miraculous strategist, advisor, and counselor. It's actually incredible that God directs us and leads us. Talked about that last week. Today, I want to focus on mighty God. Can you say that with me? Come on, mighty God. Who is this mighty God? Remember, we're reading this in the English. We're, we're saying mighty God. and Mighty God to us, it, it may sound cute. Some of us grew up watching Mighty Mouse, and we're like, oh, mighty. Cool. This is awesome. Right? But remember, this is in the English that we're reading this, but Isaiah wrote this in the Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, it is actually way more powerful. When the people of God heard mighty God, their eyes opened, their jaws dropped, because this was something extremely significant. Mighty God is two English words that come from two Hebrew words called El Jabor. El Jabor. The word El, we grab the first word El. El means strong God. It is the true and living God. When they heard mighty God, when they heard El Jabor, they were like, wait a minute. This isn't just anything that's coming to this earth. It is strong God himself. That's why we use the word El when we say El Shaddai or El Elyon. Here we have El Jabor. El, it is strong God. It is the one and true living God. The second Hebrew word for mighty in the Hebrew is Jabor. Jabor means a conqueror. Jabor means extremely strong. In fact, it is a military term to describe a man who has gone into conquest and come back as a champion. In other words, the God that we have, he's not just any warrior. He's not just any God. He's the conquering God, the one who conquered the universe, the one who conquers darkness. Oh, come on. The same way that the people of God got this prophecy. We need to get it this morning. We don't have any God. We have the God who spoke the universe into existence. He spoke into darkness and light happened. He spoke the stars and hung them in the air. Come on. Is anybody glad that we have El Jabor, the conquering? champion who wins it all who has a perfect track record he's undefeated Isaiah is saying a gift has been given to us to us a child has been given and this is El Jabor this is mighty God the conquering lion of Judah No one can stand against him, and he can stand against anybody. He is undefeated, never will be defeated. He is the conquering champion, the one who stands, is, will, and will always be mighty God. Who can stand against this God? Isaiah is saying, I know you're looking around you. I know there's a superpower that's coming to invade you. I know there's chaos. I know there's impossibilities, but there's nothing impossible for El Jabor. He's a mighty God. Today, I got good news for you. You don't just have any God. You don't have a weak God. You don't have a God that's made out of statue. You don't have a God that's made out of cement. You don't have a God that can't speak. You don't have a God that can't hear. You have a God who listens. You have a God who acts. You have a God who works miraculous. Oh, come on. It's 11 a.m. Glad that we have a mighty God. He's He's a powerful God. Nothing can stand against him. This holiday season, you may be in the middle of impossible. You may be in the middle of chaos, and you don't know where to go to. You keep looking at yourself, my strength, my knowledge, my wisdom. I'm trying to fill a a cold pool with pots of hot water. I'm going to tell you, God can turn the cold pool into hot water if he wanted to. He's mighty God. He can turn anything around. This is the God that we serve. 
There's nothing that he's afraid of. There's nothing that will scare him. There's nothing that will make him run away. He is mighty God. It's holiday season. You can lift up your head. You can know that you have mighty God on your side. I don't know about you, but that just makes my heart glad. As I started thinking about mighty God, I said there's some things about mighty God that we got to remember. It's the greatest gift of humanity. This is the best thing that God has given us. I want to share with you three quick things about mighty God that I think we should remember this holiday season. What I love about mighty God, the first thing that we always have to remember is that he makes the impossible possible. He makes the impossible possible. Are you up against an impossibility? Are you saying, Alex, this, this right here, this, this, this got me. Are you saying, this, this is just tough. I mean, turning a whole, a whole pool of cold water into hot water is taking a long time. Turning this marriage around is taking a long time. Turn, uh, this sickness has just, just gotten over me. This disease has got a hold of me. I can't, I can't shake it. I can't break it. This is impossible. Mighty God makes the impossible possible. What, what's, what's the tough issue in our life, right? Sometimes I think we approach God like, God, if you can, no, no, if you can't, we question his power. Can I be honest? How many times I've gone up to God like, God, I got this situation. Um, I don't know if you can handle it. This is tough. He's the one who hangs the stars and he knows them by name. He's the one who put earth into motion. Come on, he's the God who created the universe. Of course he can take care of my life. In John chapter 3, John chapter 3, Jesus shows up to a party. He, he's invited to a wedding and Jesus was a party goer. He loved parties. He, he's at this wedding and, and at this wedding they're all hanging out and it says that at the wedding, uh, just in a short time, they ran out of wine. Now, back in the day, if you ran out of wine at a party, you were in trouble. This was extremely offensive, right? This is bad. This is like showing up to Noche Buena and there's no lechon asado. This is just bad. Like, this is offensive. This is bad. You, how many know you show up to a Noche Buena and there's no lechon asado? That's not a party. Like, it's, not, it's just not right. And so they run out of wine and, and Jesus, she knows. <laughs> Some people are like, okay, this is weird. Um, Jesus. His mom knows his power, and she says, hey, why don't you go talk to Jesus? And they go back and forth into this conversation, and the couple's probably embarrassed. People are embarrassed. There's no more wine at this wedding. And Jesus finally says, well, you know what? Turn down for what? Let's make more wine. And, <laughs> and, um, and, he, and he, 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 he tells them, I want you to grab some containers. I want you to grab some jugs. I want you to grab these vases, huge vases that they had. It was actually for the purification of hands. And he says, I, I want you to begin to fill them up with water. And just do as I say. And so they begin to fill them up with water. And it says, after you fill them up with water, I want you to grab a cup and take it to the head of the feast. And I want him to try it. And they're just like, okay, Jesus, this is weird. Mary, who's your son? This is extremely weird. And uh, they grab a cup, they grab some water, and they take it to the head of the feast. It says that when he drinks the water, actually what he tastes is wine. And when he tastes it, he says, whoa, this isn't just any wine. Actually, this, this, this bride and this group, what, what they did is that they served the best wine for last. I want to tell you that if God can turn water into wine, he can turn your life around. If he can grab an element like water and all of a sudden turn it into the best wine, he can turn your morning into dancing. He can turn your darkness into light. This is the God that we serve, that nothing is impossible for him. He can turn it around. He can turn your marriage around. He can turn your finances around. He can turn that disease around. He's El Jabor. He's a mighty conqueror. Nothing is impossible for him. He turns it around. 
I don't know if you're up against an impossibility or chaos and you're saying there's no fixing this. Mighty God can fix it. Trust him. So many times we trust ourselves. I remember one time I was 12 years old. I was 12 years old and, and we were in Hialeah. Come on, anybody from Hialeah? Born and raised. I'm proud. And we were in Hialeah. And my parents were at home, and I remember they had told us not to play football inside the house. And as good kids, what do we do? Play football inside the house. And we're there inside the house, and me and my brother are throwing the ball. And all of a sudden, one of us throws the ball, and it hits my mom's favorite base in the middle of the living room. Right? And, um, and it just hits the base. That just makes a cool sound. The sound hates me. But it, it, the base is starting to go toward the floor. As it's going down to hit the floor, I'm seeing this in slow motion. I see the base going down, and as it's going down, I picture already my death. I picture my funeral. I'm saying, this is it for me, a 12-year-old in Hialeah. This is where it's going to end. I never saw the rest of this world. And it hits the floor, and it breaks into a million pieces. How many know, sometimes you can break something in your house, and for somebody else to find out, you try to put some crazy glue and fix this. No, this thing was beyond repair. I'm like, this is it. How many of us are looking at our life like this and we say, this is beyond repair. There's no fixing this marriage. There's no fixing this life. I'm just an addict. I'm always going to be an addict. I'm a victim. I'm always going to be a victim. I've just been abused and this is what my life is going to be. I'm always going to be a failure. There is no repair. Can I tell you? He's the God that can repair anything. He's the God that can put it back together because nothing is impossible for mighty God. He can put it back together. He can make it brand new. He can turn it around. This is mighty God. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what giant is in front of you. He can defeat it. He can turn it around. Trust him this Christmas. He is mighty God. He can speak it. He can turn it. All things follow his order. Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, Jesus says this. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's not just some things. It's not just the little things. With God, all things. Somebody say all things. things. With God, all things are possible. I love what the prophet Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 32. He says this, ah, Lord God, it is you who've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. For you and me, things are difficult. For me and you, we're, we're, we're looking at things in our life and we're saying, this is too hard. This is too difficult. Oh, to get my husband to come to church and serve God, this is never going to happen. Oh, to get my family to turn around, this is impossible. Oh, for this disease or this sickness to get, no, this is, this is tough. This, this will never happen. Listen, I've seen God cure cancer. I've seen God turn around marriages. I've seen God restore people who were addicts. I've seen God bring people free because he makes the impossible possible. Can you trust him this holiday season? Are we trusting him this holiday season? Are we looking at God and saying, can you? Or are we looking at God and saying, you will. You're mighty God. Nothing, nothing's too hard. Nothing's too difficult. The second thing that I love about mighty God is that he brings order to chaos. He brings order to chaos. Life can be chaotic. Life can be crazy. Life can hand us all these different situations that are out of our control, but the Bible says that God is a God of order. If our life is out of order, if our, if our life is chaotic, if our life is confusing, we need to let God into the picture and let him speak some order into our life. Is your marriage out of order? Are your finances out of order? Is your family out of order? Let God speak some order into your life. 
The Bible says there is no disorder in God. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of order. The Bible says in the book of Mark that there was a storm that broke out. And Jesus was hanging around with the disciples and he had just finished speaking to some people and he told his disciples, hey, why don't you, you know, grab a couple of pita chips and hummus. Let's grab this boat and let's just jump in there and uh, let, let's go out. Let's go out to the other side. Let's get away. I, I need a little bit of a break. He wanted to sleep at night. And it says they all jumped into the boat and they start crossing the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is huge. And Jesus grabs a blanket and he grabs a pillow and it says that he, he decides to go to sleep. The disciples are crossing and all of a sudden while they're crossing this sea, it says that an incredible storm broke out out of nowhere. Chaos, confusion, this is bad. And it says the disciples at first, they, they, they just don't know what to do. After a while, they're like, we need to wake up Jesus because this thing is bad. This, chaos, this, cha this chaotic storm is just going to overtake us. It's going to overpower us. We may drown here. We may die. And they're, they're afraid for their lives. And it says that they run to Jesus. Jesus was drooling all over the pillow, and he, he woke him up, and um, he was human. And uh, it says that they woke Jesus up, and they said, Jesus. Are you serious? Are you sleeping in the middle of this storm? Come on, you're, you're asleep. We're about to die. Don't you hear the thunder? Do you see the wind and the waves? Can you do something about this? What's going to happen? We're going to die in the middle of this ocean. It says that Jesus woke up and he said, oh, ye a little faith. Oh, ye a little faith. And right there he spoke to the winds and the waves. And it calmed down at that very instant. Because God is a God who brings order to chaos. Maybe right now you're in the middle of a storm. Maybe right now your life looks like this. Can I tell you, he can speak, he can speak to your wind. He can speak to your waves. He can bring order to chaos. And he can say right now, it needs to come into the word of God. It needs to align itself to God's will for your life. He can speak order into your marriage, into your life, into your mind, into your soul, into your spirit. There is nothing that is out of his control. If he controls the winds and the waves, he can control your life. Let him speak this morning. Let him speak to your life. Let him speak to your situation. He's the God that can handle it. God is not in heaven losing his mind. God is not in heaven with anxiety and high blood pressure. Because if he, crea he created it, he can control it. He created you. He's got you. I heard this story recently about these guys who were on a ship, much like the disciples and Jesus, and it says they were crossing from Europe over into New York, and they were on this ship, and all of a sudden this storm broke out of nowhere. A bunch of young guys on the bottom of the boat, they, they spoke to their leader, the one who was with them, and they said, hey, can you go see the captain? This is bad. We hear the winds and the waves and the thunder, and, and this is absolutely crazy. Like, we, we're going to die here. It seemed like water was already getting into the ship. They, they, they thought they had hit something. They heard a loud hit on the boat, and they're just like, we're, we're going to die. This is it. This is final. And they said, listen, why don't you go talk to the, to the captain? Try to make your way up to the bridge and, and talk to the captain. And it says that the leader, he's made, he made his way up to the bridge, and it says he went in there, and he said, hey, captain, captain, tell me something. This thing is bad. This storm is bad. The guys, they're all losing it. I'm afraid. Captain, are we going to make it? Is everything all right? And it says that the captain just turned around, looked at the man, and all he did was smile. The guy's like, okay, thank you, Captain. <laughs> Goes down to the bottom of the boat where the guys are, and as soon as he comes in through the door, all the guys are like, hey, what, what did the captain say? This is it. Are we going to die? Is this where our life ends? 
And he says, don't you worry. I've seen the captain's face and he's smiling. We're going to make it. Some of us, what we need to do in the middle of the storm is look to Jesus. And see that he's smiling. See that he's looking at you. See that he's not forsaking you. That he's not forgotten you. Your life may be out of your hands, but it's in his hands. Your life is in the palm of the creator's hands. He's mighty God who speaks order into chaos. Corey Ten Boom, she said this. I love this quote. This is what she said. Look at the world and you'll be distressed. Look within and you'll be depressed. But look at Christ and you'll be at rest. What are you looking at this holiday season? What are you looking at in your life? Are you looking at your finances? Are you looking at your disease? Are you looking at your marriage? Are you looking at the storm? Are you looking at the chaos? Are you looking at impossibilities? Or are you looking to mighty God? You're saying, wait a minute, he's the God that makes the impossible possible. He's the God that brings order to chaos. Last and final thing, he's the God who brings us victory over our failures. He's the God of victory. Remember, he's the conquering champion. He hasn't lost, and he's not about to start losing right now. He gives us victory over our failures. Maybe you're in here, you say, Alex, I failed in life. Listen, maybe you're here at 11 a.m., you're saying, Alex, I failed in my marriage. I failed as a parent. I failed as a son. I've, I've done bad in my life. I, I've had these issues in my life. I failed. It's easy to look at our failures. But mighty God steps into the picture, and he's the champion of all champions. He's the God who's never been defeated. There is no one like the God that we praise. There is no God like the God that we worship. We're not here worshiping an idol. We're not here worshiping a picture. We're not here worshiping just anything. We're worshiping the creator of the universe. And he can give you victory over your losses, over your failures. So much so that he can actually give you victory even over death. The Bible says in John chapter 11 that Jesus' best friend was dying. His name was Lazarus, and Jesus needed to make it on time, and he actually was late. And when he showed up to the town where his best friend was at, he had already died. It says that his sisters are crying. Everybody's upset. This is chaos. Jesus, one of them says, if you would have been here earlier, he would not have died. And now he's, he's died. Jesus is confused, bewildered. He, the Bible says actually Jesus wept. That's where he cries. It says that Jesus goes up to the cave and he goes up to where Lazarus was. And he says, somebody roll away this stone. It says the men roll away the stone from the cave. And all of a sudden he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And at that very moment, Lazarus came back to life got up on his feet and came out of the grave because when mighty God calls your name even death has to crumble he's the God who gives us victory over our failures oh come on he's the author of life and death he's the king of kings he's the lord of lords he can speak your name and everything comes into order he can speak your name and life comes into darkness he can speak your name and all of a sudden everything changes He's this God, the mighty God, El Jabor. Come on, we can stand up to our feet. I want to share one last verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, it was sin that made death so frightening. And the law called guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. 
but in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, and death, they're gone by the gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. Oh, come on. Is anybody glad that sin, death, guilt are all covered by mighty God? Today, he can make your impossibilities possible. Today, he can bring order into our chaos. Today, he can bring victory over our failures. There's no failure big enough. There's no canyon of our life that seems impossible to cross that mighty God can't cross. He's the author. He's a creator. And he has our life in his hands. With every eye closed and every head bowed. All across this auditorium, if you're listening online, if you're hearing on the radio, if you're out in the lobby or over the overflow, if you're here today and you say, Alex, I'm far away from God. I don't know this God. I'm distant from God. I feel like I have no relationship with God. I've been carrying around guilt and shame my entire life. I, I've done things that I'm not proud of. I'm stuck in moments of life that seem impossible and chaotic. And, and I know I got these issues in my life and I'm trying to fight them on my own. I got good news for you. God loves you. There's nothing that is hidden from him. There's nothing that he does not know. God knows every single detail of our life. And yet he loves us still. I'm going to ask the church to close their eyes and bow their head. Come on, for a moment of privacy and concentration. I'm going to ask the church to begin to pray. Maybe you're in here today and you say, Alex, that's me. I'm far from God. I got sin in my life. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. Sin kept us away from God, but that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. So that all of us who were sinners, we would have a way with God the creator. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all failed God. We've all offended God in one way or another. There's not one perfect person in this place. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. Jesus came. He's the gift. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He came and he grabbed my sin, your sin. The Bible says that he put it on his shoulders, went up on a cross, and he died for the sins of humanity. There on that cross, he gave up his life. He laid his life down for humanity. He went down to a grave and he was dead for three days. But the Bible says that after three days, Jesus resurrected. This is what we believe. This is the gospel. This is good news that even over death, we have victory. In Jesus, there's forgiveness. In Jesus, there's new beginnings. Today, you can have a brand new clean slate. Today, you can begin again. Today, you can have a relationship with the God who created you. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed. For privacy and concentration, I'm going to count to three in just a moment. I believe hands are going to go up across this auditorium. If you say, Alex, today, I need a relationship with God. I need forgiveness of my sins. I need a brand new beginning. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. I'm just going to see you, acknowledge you, and then you can put it right back down. If today you're saying, I want a relationship with God, at the count of three, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this auditorium as high as you can. Raise it up. Raise it up as high as you can. God bless you. 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 God bless you and you and you back there all the way back there in the end. I see you. Anybody else? You raise your hand. If you're watching online on the radio, if you're in the lobby in the overflow, you raise your hand wherever you're at. Anybody else? You want a relationship with God? You raise your hand. I'm going to say a simple prayer. With this prayer, all we're doing is putting our faith and our trust in God. It's not this prayer that can save anybody. It's faith in Jesus that saves everybody. I'm going to say a simple prayer. I want the whole church to repeat it after, after me. If you raise your hand, I want you to say this with all your heart. We're talking to mighty God right now. Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner 
and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you rose again. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.